Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Now, grab your seats. I love this church. I always, always love this church. It holds a very special place in my heart. And not just because uh, Jared and Sue and I are friends and Jane, but because of what I sense in this place. And obviously, there is a very, very strong friendship, uh, but uh, there is something in this place. If you only understood what was happening in this place, you would be different. And I want to encourage you to come and hear Pastor Jane in the next service. And I'm not just saying that. It's not a marketing ad. I'm telling you, what's happened in her life is that she has gone from, you know, she always had a very strong discernment gift. It's a very strong prophetic gift. But literally, her gift has gone from like a 3 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10. She can stop in the middle of the street at any place, any time, and begin to prophesy over people for 15 minutes and just be accurate to the very, very detail. So make sure you get changed during service, wear your prophecy shirt. Bright yellow, bright greens, like she's got on. And uh, be ready for it, I promise you. you. If you choose to make today a day of investment into yourself at the beginning of the year, you won't just start strong, you'll end strong as well. And so uh, we are in for a great day. You can just turn me down a tiny little bit, but you're on the right track. I like it loud, so thank you. And uh, we are going to get into it this morning. And um, <clears throat> I really feel God wants to speak to you. Just down a little bit more, a little bit more on the fallback, and you are almost perfect. But I do like the ring. I do like it. Okay? I do like it. So I always never complain to the PA guys if they turn me up. I do complain if you turn me down. So just know that. So this little voice of mine has done 40 years of preaching and uh, just needs the help of the PA guy. So let's pray. Let's get into it this morning. And I have got a word for you that will change your life. I promise you it's changed mine many, many times and it's going to change yours today. So Father, thank you for today. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to get into it today. We've got some work to do. But I remember in 1995, sitting in church after Jane and I had been running the largest youth and young adult ministry in Australia. It was booming. It was growing. Literally, there were 1,500 young people in in our youth ministry. It was just incredible. God was doing amazing things. I was traveling all the time, speaking at conferences, speaking at youth live rallies all over the place. God was doing incredible things. And then I got sick. In fact, I came to Perth to the Urn Helliday camp, the Helliday, not the Halliday camp, the hell of a day camp. And uh, I got very ill. And it was part of, honestly, we've treating our guest speakers a lot better than those days. And uh, literally, I got up in the middle of the night and I was walking around in my jocks outside. It was 38 degrees Celsius. They put me in a little room that had not been cleaned for 17 years. And uh, I literally couldn't breathe and I thought the devil was attacking me but I didn't realise that I had an infection in my body for 18 months and it was all coming to a head and I got very, very sick. So I had to resign the youth ministry. I had to get out of it. At that point, I thought my life was over. 
everything I'd worked so hard for. I was a very diligent person. I had been, you know, I wasn't as talented as some people, but I was a hard worker. I knew how to grind. I knew how to make it to the next level. I'm a perseverer. I will find a way where there's no way. I'm one of those people, right? And so uh, here I am sitting in church uh, on this, in May day in 1995 with everything lost. Two little children, uh, no, getting no pay at that particular time, having had to resign. And as I sat in church, I opened up my Bible and I, my eyes rested on Psalm 128. And as I began to read Psalm 128, immediately in the midst of my darkest hour ever, which went on last another 18 months, but in my darkest hour, God spoke to me. And God said these words, and I'll read them to you because one of the things I was thinking about is I don't ever try to claim other people's success, but when I work my best and my hardest, I expect a reward because the Bible says, if you sow, you will reap. So here I am having sown for decades and about to reap nothing. That's how I felt, like lost everything. And I read these words in Psalm 128, it says, blessed are all who fear the Lord. It says, who walk in obedience to Him. And this is what hit me. You will eat the fruit of your labour. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children, in fact, another translation says sons. At that point, we had two sons. And when we had our third son, I read this scripture after that in a different version. It says sons. I said, wow, God, you planned to give me sons. But when I read it, it was children. And it says this, your children, your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Well, I can tell you now, uh, many, many, many years later, that that promise from God to me in my darkest hour provided the greatest ray of hope for my future. But it also became my guide and it became my result. God, what God said to me in Psalm 128 has come to pass all through my life. I want to show you a picture of my family. This is a, a pretty ugly shot. We're at the beach and so it's not really a, a great, you know, portrait shot. These are my, uh, my children, not all of them, but they are some of my children. This is my oldest son, uh, Mark, six foot four, a strapping young lad. And uh, he's now got four children, two boys and two girls. His wife's pregnant with the fourth. Uh, that, that was taken a few months ago. She gave birth in December. So now we have four kids, uh, or four grandkids. And then my other son, Nathan, uh, this is what I looked like when I had hair, just in case you were wondering, right? With, I had a dirty moustache like that too. And uh, he's got two little boys and then his wife, Chloe, who's just an incredible singer and uh, an amazing person, great leader. And then I've got one young son who came 14 years later. Remember this scripture said children. I thought it was gonna be a girl, but when I read it later, it says sons. And so it was God's plan for us to have sons. And this is my 19 year old son. We're looking for an Australian wife for him. So if you want to apply, we will take interviews. Pastor Jared's very prophetic. He'll interview you and we'll decide whether you're good enough to go with this six foot three, 19 year old, second year of uni, doing his music degree and looking a bit like a rock star. This is Benjamin, son of my right hand, 19. So if girls, this service, they said, we have come like Eliezer, looking for a wife, for our master, for our son. So any parents here that think you qualify, any, anyone between 18 and 20, 
And for Sean, Sean also needs a wife. (laughs) And the good thing about it is these aren't in competing categories. His is 18 to 20. That's what we're looking. Sean's is anywhere from 30 to 50. So we're looking in that category, right? (laughs) Pretty good looking boy, hey? Pretty good looking boy. Looks like his mother. And uh, all our kids, six foot four, six foot three, six foot two, and a bit like the Kean boys, it's very similar. And uh, God has blessed us. And that all happened in 1995 when we had no children. Now we have six grandchildren. And of course, Benjamin and his Australian wife from Perth will give birth to a few children themselves, I'm sure. So please send a resume, send them to gkian at... (laughs) He's my agent. Everywhere I preach in Australia, I'm out to find a wife from Australia for my son who lives in America because we know those American girls. So we want to get an Australian girl. If there's any American girls here, you're the exception. You're in Australia. All right, moving on. And please don't show this to any of my campuses in America either. Okay. All right. You see, a promise from God is a guarantee. I want you to hear this. A promise from God, unlike a promise from anyone else, is a guarantee of a certain outcome. You can bank on, you can take it to the bank. If God gives you a promise, a promise it will come. And the only person who can destroy the promise of God is you. Nobody else can. Despite people's weirdo theology, nobody else can stop the immutable, unchangeable, omnipresent, omnipotent God who gives you a promise. Because why would God give you a promise knowing the future if someone else can wreck it? He only gives you a future and a promise that you can wreck. Nobody else can wreck it. Your parents can't wreck it. Your kids can't wreck it. Your boss can't wreck it. Your wife can't wreck it. Your son can't wreck it. Nobody can wreck it. Right? Because it came from God and God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man. Right? So this is the point about God. You can trust His promises. Here's what I find about most Christians. They're promiseless. They have a promise of going to heaven, but they don't live their life on promises. They live their life on principles. Principles are good. Promises are better. Principles are the undergirding of my life, but promises give me the vision and the drive for the future. I need a promise from God. I need numbers of promises from God. And I want you to get this this morning because if you will be like me, that is, I knew about promises. I knew what promises are. And promises aren't about Bible horoscoping and going trying to find a promise for yourself. Like a you know, fortune cookie from a Chinese restaurant. It's not a promise like that. It's a promise revealed by the Holy Spirit, which the Bible calls in a Greek word calls rhema. Now, rhema just means, boy, I want you to explain rhema. There's a lot of confusion about rhema. It's very simple. The word, word, English word, word, in the Greek, there are two words for word. One is the word logos. Who's heard the word logos? Well, logos means written word, just simply something that's written. If you write a note, that's logos, right? You write something, it's logos, okay? What I'm doing now is called rhema. It's called the spoken word. So logos is written word, rhema is spoken word. 
So as I read God's Word, as I read the Logos, and suddenly the Logos, like I was that day sitting in church, depressed and wondering about my future, I'm reading the Logos, I'm reading the written Word. But then suddenly the written Word spoke to me. It got up and it yelled at me, this is your future. You will be blessed and you will be prosperous and your wife will be like a, a, a fruitful vine around your table and your sons are like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man, you will eat the fruit of your labour. Boom, I went from Logos written to suddenly yelling at my face, spoken word. God is taking His written word and speaking through the Holy Spirit into my life. That's how Logos and Rhema works. That's why it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Rhema. You can't hear written. You can only hear spoken. It's just some nuggets to drop for you. Okay. A promise is God's guarantee of an outcome. Imagine if you could take the guesswork out of life. Well, I hope next year is going to be good. I hope I'm going to survive. What about if you could take the guesswork out of life? God doesn't want to just make one promise to you. He wants to make promises to you about your future wife, your future husband, your present. Let's hope if you're married, there is no future wife or husband. But you know what I'm saying? He wants to make promises to you about your career, about your finances, about your health, about every area of your life. God has promises and they have to go from being written to hearing because faith is only produced by hearing God speak to me, not just reading what God says about me. Make sense? I'm going to hear what God's speaking to me. God loves to make promises and He makes big promises. You see, in Romans 4, we start off with a great promise to Abraham, the father of faith. And it says this, It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the what? Promise. Okay. What did they receive from God? They received a promise. That they were going to have a child. And the promise that He would be the heir of the world. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Therefore the promise comes by faith, that is hearing, so it may be by grace. A life of faith is one that lives by the promises of God. And if you're just living by the principles of God, awesome, you're solid. But when you live by the promises of God, you become supernatural. You become full of faith. You become full of tenacity. You go after things. You think big. Why? Because promises that are guaranteed by God have the backing of heaven are incredible to live your life by. Abraham lived his life based on a promise. That's why he could have sex with his wife 9,125 times before they produced the child. 300 times he was disappointed when she wasn't pregnant. But his ability to keep going. Now we think of that in the context of a 22-year-old having sex. Now we're talking about a 95-year-old having sex. Not as easy. Takes a lot of planning. A lot of recovery. You're not driven to go after that unless there's a promise at 95. You're like, whoa, wow, God, God, I can't wait. It's like, oh man. We got a promise. Let's go, Sarah. 
What I'm trying to say is this, is sometimes when you've got a promise, it motivates you to go beyond what is normal. That's why you need a promise, in order to go beyond what's normal. Okay, 2 Peter 1, 3 says, As His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Listen to this, verse 4. Let's all read it out together. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. He's saying, listen, you're going to participate on a supernatural level through the promises of God. You see, Sol- Joseph, God promises him a huge promotion in life. Solomon, God promises him financial success. Samuel, God speaks to him about becoming the leader of his nation. Moses, God promises that he will deliver his people. Abraham, God promises him an awesome place to live and a child and many nations. David, God promises him great promotion and great success in his job, though he was just a shepherd. Hannah, who's barren, he promises her a child and she has six. Hezekiah, God promises to heal him, though he's about about to die. He gets 15 more years. Jacob, God speaks to him about his past and his future. Elizabeth, who's old in age, God promises her a child. Mary, God promises her the Messiah and speaks to her about her destiny. Joseph promises Joseph that he's doing the right thing by marrying Mary. Noah, God speaks to him about the future of the world and how he's going to save him and his family and promises to do that. You see, all through the Word of God, promises guided the great heroes of faith in their lives. Woo, I'm getting excited. I'll tell you what, I might preach at the second service. No, I'm only joking. Pastor Jane is, don't miss it. Here's the thing. I've chosen to live my life around the promises of God because everywhere in the Bible where a promise is given, it's a game changer. The promises of God guide me. They correct me. They give me hope. They strengthen me. It's the rudder that guides my decision-making and my destiny. Without them, I would have quit. I would have given up. I would have held grudges. I would have done bad things. I would have thrown away my inheritance. I would have parented badly, married poorly and lived averagely. But I haven't done any of those things because of the promises of God. I remember in 1986, so a long time ago, but 1986, sitting on New Year's Eve in my lounge room at my parents' home with Jane. All our friends were there and then they, my mum kicked them out, but she didn't want a party happening at her house at midnight on New Year's Day. So it was just Jane and I left alone in the house. Two hours before that or four hours before that, my mum being very presumptuous as she was, she was, she was taking Jane and I around to look at houses to buy. Well, I'm like, flip. You think I'm going to get married? Well, I'm not sure I'm supposed to marry her. I've got 400 choices and I'm not sure she's the right one. <laughs> and so we sat together and I said to Jane, what shall we do other than kiss? And she said, I don't know. I said, why don't we read our Bible? And so where shall we start? Well, let's start in Matthew since the new year, first day, first chapter of Matthew. As it happens, we're reading Matthew and it's a story about Joseph thinking about breaking up with Mary. I was thinking about breaking up with her. So as we're reading this story, and it says, while Joseph thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take unto you Mary as your wife for the thing that's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So I just kept reading as if I didn't notice. So reading out loud together, right? Reading out loud together. We rarely read our Bibles together, but on that particular day, it was like, 
we're reading our Bibles and there it is, boom. I knew God spoke to me. It was like the written Word got up and slapped me in the face. Honestly, just punched me. And so I'm like, so I just kept reading, pretending like nothing happened. And got through two chapters, three chapters, trying to disguise the moment. And uh, I said to Jane, did God speak to you? She goes, He did. I said, where? She said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> did He speak to you? I said, yes. She said, where? I'm not telling you. And that was the promise that God gave me. Three weeks later, I had a nightmare. And in my nightmare, I had married Jane and I suddenly woke up down the uh, Great Ocean Road and we were driving and I'd made a bad, bad mistake. I suddenly realised the night after the honeymoon, I've made a terrible mistake. So I've got sweat pouring down my brow. I am in absolute panic as I wake up and go, no, it's the wrong thing. I'm not meant to marry her. So vivid. So I went up. I got up in the middle of the night, it was about three o'clock in the morning, got up and I went to my Bible and, uh, and I just opened up to that chapter in Matthew chapter one. And as I read it, what came to me was just absolute peace. This kind of fear just went, peace came back. This was three weeks later, but because God's Word's like a nuclear power rod, it has a long life. It has an ability to keep standing with you for the rest of your life. And so as I read it, I'm like, oh, this is you, God. That means you're going to give me everything I need to make this marriage successful. The promise of God, it's guided me for 30 odd years since 1986. You see, the whole of our connection with God and born again experience is based on a promise. If you invite me into your heart with all your heart and you seek after me with all your heart, you will find me. I will fill you with life, life evermore. And this is eternal life that you may know Him, right? And so John 73, it's all about the born again experience. It's about that we are born again based on a promise. The promise that if we would give our lives to Him, He would change us and save us and give us an assured future. Abraham was made righteous. The father of faith was made righteous. Why? Because he believed in a promise and Abraham believed God about a promise. The children of Israel were set free from Egypt. Where did they go, everybody? Why were they headed to? The, the promised land. What's that? That means God promised them a land. And where did they head off when they got out of slavery? Towards the promised land. It was the result. The land they got was the land, a land, it was a result of a promise. That's why they could hold on to it. That's why they could fight for it. Why? Because it was a promise from God. It's called the promised land for a reason. So let me give you some reasons why God gives you promises so that you understand it's not just a good idea why you should go after it. Number one, to motivate you, inspire you to fight for your destiny. Promises allow you to fight for your destiny because surely you will. Destiny doesn't come easily. Destiny must be fought for. Destiny must be wrestled for. Destiny must be chased after. Destiny must be taken down. Destiny must be wrestled to the ground. We must wrestle with our destiny in order to achieve it. Psalm 91, we get lots of Scriptures today. It says this, He will shield you with His wings. He will shelter you with His feathers. His what? Faithful, everybody? Promises. Everybody say it again. Promises are your armour and protection. What protects you? Promises. It doesn't matter what people say when I've got a promise. They protect me. 
It's the shield around me is the promise of God. When people slag at you, when they do all kinds of things about you, say all sorts of nasty things about you, put a roadblock in front of you. You don't have to fret. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to go around and gossip. You don't need to tell people I'm leaving the church to start the road, down the road 10 minutes. You don't have to do all that kind of stuff. You just hold on to the promise of God. So many people do things without the promise of God. Because they base their life on the promise of man. Well, the man didn't do it. The man promised, so I'm going to go do it myself. I'm going to leave because the man didn't do it. And many people went, but were never sent. You can be sure they'll end up in disaster. Because so often we base our life on what a man said or a woman said, but what about basing your life on what God said? Then it doesn't matter what a man does or a woman does. I can stay faithful. I can serve. I can be like Joseph. I can smile. I can take it on the chin. I can keep on going wherever I go. God blesses me anyway. And at the time that God has ordained, the promise is fulfilled. The doors are open. Suddenly I'm the Prime Minister of Egypt in one day because the promises of God are yes and amen. Come on, everybody. Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, my son, here are some instructions. Whenever the word promise comes up, I want you to say it out loud. You ready? My son, here are some instructions for you based on the prophetic words given to you earlier. May they give you the confidence to fight well in the Lord's, be- Lord's battle. So prophetic words are promises, right? What do they do? They help you to fight. We're fighting against people instead of realising the fight's not with people. It doesn't matter what people do if you've got a promise. If you don't have a promise, you become manipulative. If you haven't got a promise, you become a gossiper. You divide the church. You're gonna, you know, say all kinds of little things to little people around the place about how unfair it was and Pastor Jared didn't do this and Pastor Jared didn't do that, whatever it might be. How stupid. How carnal. How low level, low level. Because if I'm living by the promise of God and I've lived this my life, so I'm talking to you not out of a theory, but out of experience, when it's time God moves everybody out the way that was in my way, every man that tried to stop me, every elder that tried to stop me, every board member. When I was at our church, there were two board members and an elder that were against me. But guess what? I just kept serving because the Bible says, the meek shall inherit the earth. So I didn't come out shouting. I just kept serving smiling, even to the people that hated me. I went out and made uh, relationships, tried to make relationships with them, didn't care. God spoke to me. Why? I'm not subject to what they say. Who are they? Just mere men. Who do I serve? I serve Almighty God. What does it matter if the boss says these things? Resilience comes from not, who cares about what they say? Big deal. So many people are so pathetic. They just go after, well, he didn't give me this and she didn't give me that. And we live in in the era of offence. So we find great gratitude in offence. But imagine if you've got a word from God, a promise from God, you don't need anybody to agree with you. It's going to happen. 
I've lived like that way so often, it's unbelievable. The promises of God have got me through the darkest situations, the most resistance, and I've stayed faithful to the call instead of being compromised to go and do it the fleshly way to try to achieve what God may have said to me. But now I'm sucked in by the, the, the humanity around about me and I go and do things that way and it ruins everything. Whoo! Am I getting too deep now? Okay, let's keep moving on. Remember when we built a house? You know, we had no money. This is when I was sick. We built a house and it's because I was reading one day and I said, God, I want to move our family to a safer area. I'm traveling all over the places before I was sick. And, and I opened up one day in my daily reason, it was Isaiah 55 and this is what I read. Remember, I'm reading the Logos. I'm waiting for Logos to speak to me. And then when it speaks to me, it's Rhema. Rhema is the spoken word. Logos is the written word. So come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. That was me, no money. But we end up building a house, getting the most miraculous piece of land for half the price against the odds. And I went back three times to the real estate agent. And he said, you're an idiot, mate. Why do you keep coming back? I said, because I'm gonna have that land. He says, not on my watch, you aren't. And then I came back with an idea. He goes, great idea. They reduced the land price by even more than they had hoped to. Why? Because God had given me a promise. I'm not moved by some real estate agent scoffing in my face. I've got a promise. I can smile, say, yeah, great. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Number two, to make today bearable and keep my present positive. See if I can get all this done in the next. I think it says 13 minutes. Okay. It's easy to get negative when things are tough. It's easy to see the glass half empty. It's easy to succumb to the cynicism, the depression and the gloominess of the situation you find yourself in. But let's read what the Bible says. Psalm 119 says, get ready to use the word promise. Ready? My comfort in my suffering is this. Your pro preserves my life. Psalm 119, sustain me according to your promise and I will live. Psalm 119, I will rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in Your Word. My stay, I stay open during the watches of the night that I may meditate on what? Your promises. Psalm 119, may my supplication come before You. Deliver me according to Your promise. Psalm 103, He's the one who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. God spoke to us a couple of years ago before Pastor Jane got very ill for about a year. He says, I'm gonna renew your youth like the eagle every day. I claim that over our life. And I'm watching her, I'm watching her health, I'm watching both of us just renewing our lives. I mean, just as fiery in 25 years from now as I am today. Why? He's renewing my youth like the eagle. It was not just a, a written word, it was a spoken word. Number three, to let you know someone is looking over your shoulder. God wants you to know that He wants to look after you. And the one of the way He convinces you that He's looking after you is through promises. How could Abraham allow Lot to have the best land and not be stressed because of a promise? What kept Joseph faithful through 13 years of hardship? A promise. What kept Noah building and building without success while being ridiculed for his vision? A promise. What caused Abraham to be obedient to God even if it meant sacrificing his own son? A promise. Number four, to give you a reason to work hard every day. See, promises motivate us to focus. 
My mum used to promise me things if I memorised Scripture. That's why I know a lot of Scripture. And 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says this, Therefore, since we have these promises. Come on, everybody. There's only three of us talking now. Since we have these promises. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness. You will never be holy unless you have a promise. The promise creates faith to live like God wants you to live. Number five, to create faith in you. God wants to create faith in you because we are people who live by faith. Listen to Romans 4. Yet He did not waver through disbelief in the promise of God, but was strengthened in His faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God was able to do what He had what? Suggested. Promised. This is why it was credited to Him as righteousness. Let me tell you something. When you believe God, it's credited to you as a righteous act. That's why He wants to give you a promise so you believe in something that can drive your ship and drive your family and drive your future forward. Number six, to give me great confidence about tomorrow. Psalm 119, I rejoice in your promise like one who finds great spoil. To Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Psalm 105, He remembers His covenant forever. The promise He made for a thousand generations. When you believe God and believe His promise, God considers you righteous. When God said to you, if you give your life to me, I promise to come into your heart, change you, bring joy into your future, bring hope and bring destiny and a sense of purpose. I'm gonna help you with fear. I'm gonna help you with love. I'm gonna make you different. When we say yes to the promise, He comes inside of us and changes us. The promise outworks itself in our life when we believe. And the moment we believe in His promise, it's credited to us as righteousness, as right living, as pleasing to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, ever believed fully in your heart about the promise of God about you, that He loved you so much that if you would believe in Him, He would give you a life of purpose, peace, joy, productivity, and move you forward. And all you have to do is believe His promise and everything changes. I could take you to hundreds of people in this room who believed a promise and when they did, God changed their life forever. So today I'm gonna ask you something. I'm not asking you whether you attend church. I'm not asking you whether you believe there's a God. I'm asking you whether you believe in the promise that when you put your life in God's hands, He changes you. He holds you in the palm of His hand and nobody can take you out. He has got you. He's got your future. He's got your family. He's got your finances. He's got your heart. He's got the things that concern you. You can believe in this God that made you and every one of your days are written in His book. The Bible says in Psalm 139, I can be confident about my future because the promises of God They enable me, they strengthen me, they give me faith, they encourage me. And when I choose, and when I choose to believe it, something changes in me that is supernatural. So today, you can read about God. Today I'm praying as I'm speaking, that Logos goes to Rhema and you hear it and you go, I've got to do this. So I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes for a moment because I want to pray for you. If you're here and you say to me, Ashley, I've never 
believed God's promise for my life. I've never really laid hold of it with great passion and intensity and deliberateness. I've not done that. Or maybe I've wavered and I'm not really walking with God right now. Or maybe if I said to you, you know, if you were to die today, I'm not sure where I'm gonna go when I die. I'm not just not sure about it. Well, then guess what? You need to reaffirm your belief in God's promise. You need to invite Jesus into your heart. So I'm gonna ask you right now, every high eye closed, every head bowed. I'm gonna ask you, you say, Ashley, I want, I'm in one of those three categories. Uh, uh, I've never invited Jesus. I've never believed in God's promise through Jesus, but I want to. Or I've been away from God and I wanna get right. Or number three, I'm not sure if I was to die, I'd go to heaven, but I wanna be sure. When I count to three, just so you know when to respond, I'm gonna ask you three, just to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for as I'm standing here. So if that's you, if you need to get your life right with God, if you need to get your life with God for the first time or to reconnect, or you need to be sure on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand really high. I'll see it and then I'll know who I'm praying for. I'm about to pray for you and I'm about to pray the change of God over your life. So on the count of three, you raise your hand. You ready? One, two, three. Just put it up. So that's me. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. God bless you. There's about six or seven. Anyone else? Don't want to miss anybody in the room today. Anybody else? Yeah, awesome. 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 Keep your hands up. I want you, as you've got your eyes closed and your hands up, to imagine you're reaching up to God who's reaching down to you. He's about to pull you up from where you are and set you in a direction that's going to be full of God's purpose and promise for your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're not a man that you should lie. When you promise eternal life, when you promise a fulfilling life, when you promise, Lord, uh, to lead us and to guide us, to move us into your destiny for our lives, when you promise to give us peace, when you promise to give us joy, you are not a person that just tantalizes us with these ideas, but you deliver them to our heart, to our soul, and to our life. And so I pray for everyone that with a hand raised that today transformation would begin, that everything would change, that this is the beginning of a promise-filled life. From this day forward, we pray in your mighty and your wonderful name. And everybody said, come on, let's give those people a big hand. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.